0: Hello, and welcome back to another edition of Big Red Huddle. Today is Saturday, February 3rd, 2024. We are going to get into all things Husker Athletics. We are going to kick off with some Nebraska basketball, uh, transition into some Nebraska football. We'll hit on some national uh, storylines from the gridiron. And then we'll wrap up, probably go around 30 minutes today. So appreciate y'all joining us. You can find us on Twitter, uh, at Big Red Huddle. You can find us on our website, bigredhuddle.com. And we're at all of your main streaming services, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and then on YouTube as well. So with that, let's huddle up. Uh, We are going to start today or kick off with Nebraska basketball. As we were recording last week, uh, we were at the, the final stages of that Maryland game, just another uh, road disaster disappointment, so I'm not going to really hit on that too much, as everybody knows by now, final score 73-51, up early 12-2, wheels fall off from there, can never get it back under control, 22-point defeat, um, kind of the story of the season so far for Nebraska basketball, huge road uh, disappointments, and then big, road, or then big home wins, which Takes us to Thursday night, uh, which uh, just, what an incredible game, an incredible environment. You're never going to hear me break down X's and O's when it comes to basketball. It's just not um, it, it's not where my forte is. It's not where my knowledge and expertise is. Um, I truly sit and watch a basketball game as a fan, um, which is a little bit different than, than I do with football, where I tend to break it down a little bit more. Um, and we'll go into more detail in those games here in the fall. But when I look at this game on Thursday night uh, with Wisconsin, um, down 16 at half, uh, down 19 early in the second half, uh, I, I, I'll tell you, there, there were points at, um, in the first half and early in the second half where I had somewhat given up on this team. Um, thought the wheels had, had officially come off um, of, the, of the group and I was severely concerned about kind of the season going forward and then um, just a huge turnaround, um, and specifically got to call out CJ Wilcher. We talked about CJ last week, um, went into a little bit of detail thinking, you know, even kind of proclaimed him as big Ten six man of the year. Start to hear the broadcast talk about that throughout this game after the game, um, just you know, really took the team uh, on his shoulders and willed them um, back into the game. Twenty-two points, seven to ten from the field, five of seven from three. Uh, didn't um, a lot of those shots were not easy. He had guys in his face. He was fading away. Um, that that baseline two to tie it up there uh, mid second half uh, was an incredibly difficult shot. Um, the guy has just been on fire. Has accepted his role. Um, and, and really became a leader of this team even off of the bench and so as I look at CJ Wilcher from from two years ago to now incredibly different individual different player body language is completely different completely bought in um, even on the defensive end a couple years ago he was a major liability now he's solid he's never gonna be your best defender but um, this team looks vastly different without CJ Wilcher on on the court um and then as you 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 know cj welcher went on his run you get down to the last four minutes or so he's really gassed at that point needed somebody else to step up um and and that's when rink mass came in um two huge threes the step back three with about a minute ten to go um you know he had some funny comments after the game where you know almost like an out-of-body experience i think some of the words words he used in that situation um just let it rip nothing but net uh you you know (laughs) Thirty seconds left. We have the ball with a chance to win the game. Down nineteen earlier in the half. Um, obviously, we 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 you know Williams couldn't get that shot to go down at at the end of the second half there, but forces overtime, and just the mental toughness from this team was incredible. You saw throughout the second half as throughout Nebraska making their run. Um, that stat that kept popping up, Wisconsin was 120, and this century when leading by 15 plus a half. Um, Nebraska had something weird, you know, some remarkable like one and can't even remember what the stat was, 60 some when, when they were down 15 at half. Um, just a complete team effort. Um, I know I went on last week, talked about Sam Hoiberg and, and what he brings to the to the team. He's never going to put up huge statistical numbers in the box score, but what he brings on the defensive end, what he brings to, with energy um, is is just incredible for, for this team. And then lastly, you've got to give a huge hat tip to the fan base. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't in the arena Thursday night, but from those I've talked to who were, um, probably a top two or three um, experience within that building, maybe only second to no sit Sunday also against Wisconsin um, 10 years ago in 2014. Um, And so you gotta give a lot of credit to the fan base for showing up, sticking through it, um, getting through that first half, willing the team back in that second half to to make that run and, and then ultimately secure that victory. Should also mention Juwan Gary. He was back, I think, before the game, Fred said they were trying to limit him to under 30 minutes. He ended up going over that to about 33 minutes um, all in, after the, you know, including overtime. Um, and so just just incredibly fun game to watch. Last thing that I'll mention is uh, Williams there at the end of the second half, hitting those two free throws. And then I think he went six for six, might be off there slightly in the overtime. Um, just big time clutch free throws down the stretch. And for those of you that have, um, you know, been Nebraska basketball fans for, for quite some time, especially during the Fred era, that has not always been the case. Free throws have been a, a tremendous, um, burden for this team historically. So to see those, uh, go down when it mattered most was, was, was really nice to see. And then before we kind of wrap up the Wisconsin game, I want to circle back to last week. I talked about, I kind of called it a hot take, Um, but my take on on Tominaga, he he continues to struggle Uh, once again, uh, third game in a row, single digits, just 18 minutes this game, one to seven shooting, did get some good looks, Um, couldn't get the ball to go down. We're continuing to see him get exposed on the defensive side of the ball. But what i like about fred right now is he's got a quick trigger if if tomonaga is not hitting his shots he, he's he's a huge liability on the floor and you got to get him off and so i continue to say this and i'm going to continue to watch this over the over the next month as we get into march is our best lineups right now include cj wilcher and sam hoiberg off the bench um, and as you saw us go into overtime those were the guys that were on the floor um, in in place of um, Jamarcus Lawrence, in place of Casey Tomanaga, and so I I don't want to um, you know push Tomanaga to the side. I'm not. I don't want to put Jamarcus Lawrence to the side. The point is, is this team is deep. It it, it is a team with a capital T. There's several individuals who can come in and create a spark, um, carry the team. Doesn't have to be the starting five. Um, and so, um, on any given night, I mean, we've had a rink mask game. If you call this the CJ Wilcher game, Tomonaga's obviously had his games. Bryce Williams has carried the team at different points. Um, so it's, it's really, really fun, fun team to watch and follow. And, um, kind of, as we, we, we wrap up basketball here, we talked last week, this is, we're in the midst of a massive four game stretch here where all four games are quad one. Opportunity. so that started with last saturday with maryland not going to go into detail there big l thursday um, was the lone home game in this four game stretch against wisconsin just a massive uh, massive win there and now we've got an opportunity um just a huge huge opportunity um to let it loose we've got at illinois tomorrow on sunday at northwestern on wednesday If this team, I said this two weeks ago, if this team can come out of this four game stretch two and two, it's massive. They're, they're nearly 100% lock for the tournament minus just, you know, something catastrophic happening down the stretch because the, the schedule, as we'll talk about here in a moment, just really lightens up. Um, if they can find a way to win one of these, and I'll say Illinois at Illinois is a terrible matchup for this team, the way they press or lack of point guard play. Um, it's not a good matchup. I'm not expecting a, a, a great um outcome at illinois but that game on wednesday night at northwestern it's going to be tough it's not going to be easy um we beat them at home obviously um without gary gary obviously should be available this time i'm circling wednesday night if we can get that game wednesday night that is a huge huge um opportunity for this team for this season it feels like it can be a magical season um i'm really hoping we can get that one Even if we don't get that one, it's okay. We, we came out of this four game stretch worst case scenario at this point, one and three, which is really what we needed to do. Um, because as you look after Illinois and after Northwestern, the highest rated team we play from a net perspective is at Ohio state back on February 29th with a net of 71. So after. Northwestern we have Michigan Penn State at home both in the hundreds at Indiana 94th a chance for a road win there got Minnesota at home that's a revenge at Ohio State I mentioned versus Rutgers at home another revenge game and then at Michigan who's just in a complete tailspin so get through Illinois Northwestern man find a way to get one if we can get one that would be huge Um, even if we don't uh, last seven games of the year set up where we should be uh, favored in all seven. So as we take kind of a, a, a high view level of Nebraska basketball right now, where they stand on the national landscape, uh, tons of rankings out there. Generally, I look at the net rankings. That's what's published by NCAA. They're currently 57th. Um, got a little bit of a bump there after beating Wisconsin. We, we took pretty big hit there at, at Maryland. Not so much the loss to Maryland, but the 22-point um loss is what, you know, the margin of victory there really hurts. So um, the two, you know, th- there's 150 bracketology out there, right? So the, the two I look at are the two, you know, main ones from ESPN and CBS. So ESPN, Joe Lenardi, as of this morning, has this as a 10 seed playing Clemson in Pittsburgh. That's down a seed from last Saturday. Um, and then Jerry Palm, CBS, has us as a 9 seed playing Mississippi State in Brooklyn, also down a seed line from, from last week. But um, last time I'm going to say it, I know I've said it a lot, Illinois tomorrow, Northwestern Wednesday. Get one of those two and then the last seven set up just for a magical end to this. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but there's an opportunity to really move up that seed line, um, here within the next week and then take care of business down the stretch. So an exciting, um, exciting team, exciting opportunity, 16 and six overall six and five within the league. Um, my magic number right now is get to 11 and nine. I think 12 and 8 is very possible. Um, if you really want to get excited, 13 and seven. Um, I think any of those really, you know, 11 and 9 probably put you on the bubble, maybe on the right side of the bubble, 12 and 8 a lock, 13 and 7 you're talking about seeding, um, and all of those are possible with or without a win uh, this coming week, but a, a win here either at Illinois, at Northwestern would just be massive, so that's Nebraska basketball right now. Uh, I know we're focusing on that more than than maybe we will in the future Well, we more than we assuredly will in the future but um, and it's an exciting team to watch it's an exciting time and um, Really want to give them their their due credit and I I know the fan base is getting excited as you could see in PBA um, here uh, Thursday night, so with that let's transition to football. That's really where our bread and butter is on on this program um, we're going to hit on some points from last week. We got some movement here. Uh, we talked last week about Glenn Thomas. Glenn Thomas obviously became official two weeks ago as a co-offensive coordinator and QB coach. What we discussed last week was the fact that, you know, he was still going through some of his NCAA, um, you know, things before he could get out on the road. I was really curious, you know, with this past week being the last opportunity to get on the road here in the winter, where would he go, um, and who would he meet from a 2025 QB um, recruiting perspective? So we've known for for quite some time now that Alex Mansky has been our number one target out of Algona, Iowa. That has really, since the Riola commitment, that um, that that connection, if you will, that that. Um, um, steam that I guess we had um, behind that train. I think we were the leader in the clubhouse for quite some time there. That's really fallen off, and I can't blame Alex Mansky for that with his opportunities. Ultimately, he committed to Iowa State Thursday evening. Not a big surprise. One of his, really his dream school growing up. He's a huge Brock Purdy fan, what Brock Purdy's doing in San Francisco. Um, I I you know I, We'll never know, but I, I, I do think if Raiola wasn't part of the 2024 class, I do have a good good feeling that we could have gotten him for 2025 either way we'll, we'll take rayola <laughs> so um, but with that being said we still need to find some a quarterback for 2025 you got to get a high school quarterback every year where possible and so that takes me to where like my curiosity was where's Glenn Thomas gonna go when he hits the road well we got that answer on Tuesday um, when he popped up for the first time in st. Louis uh, a new QB offer went out to Dylan Duff, 6'2", 185 pounds, more of a pro-style quarterback, kind of the same mold as a, as a Dylan Raiola. What was interesting is the entire offensive staff was at his school on Tuesday and made the offer in person, um, including Matt Rule, which I think that's telling. Um, I would probably put him as your um Next kind of name to keep an eye on from a staff perspective, uh, after Nebraska offered on Tuesday, he picked off picked up offers from Northwestern and Georgia Tech. Several other schools came in and visited him. I would expect more offers to come his way. Uh, a consensus three star prospect on most services, and and really the plan here would be to get him back up to Lincoln in March, April, and then hopefully again in April for. Uh, for the spring game so it'll be interesting now that'll be the next thing to watch is does he make a spring visit to Lincoln he was in Lincoln last year for last year's spring game so he has been on campus before but I think he now becomes your number one target at QB Um, and then on Friday a second offer went out Um, haven't been able to get confirmation if Glenn Thomas was was out in California um, but Maiden, I'm a, I, I'm a lava. <laughs> it might be butchering his last name, but I'm a lava, um, a six, 385 pound QB at a Warren, California. People may know that name. Uh, he's the younger brother of Tennessee's freshman quarterback from 2023. Nico, I'm a lava. He started in the bowl game against Iowa. He's in line to be their full-time starting quarterback this coming season. Uh, a um, kind of a dual threat quarterback, um, really impressive in that bowl game against Iowa. I know those in Knoxville are really excited about uh, Nico going forward. Nico is a consensus five star. In 2023, Maiden's more of a a consensus four-star, top 200 type of prospect. He does have offers, though, from the likes of Auburn, Cal, Colorado, Miami, Ole Miss, TCU, Tennessee, uh, among others. Um, So he's a big-time prospect out of California. Um, This relationship, at at least, um, you know, From a Nebraska perspective, we'll have to kind of wait and see where this evolves, where this goes. Um, I think, you know, your next points, again, are the same that we talked about with Dylan Duff. Does, does Maiden um, visit in March? Does he visit in April at all? Does he attend spring game on April 27th? Um, that'll be telling as far as what his interest level is um, with, with Nebraska. So I think Dylan Duff's probably the most realistic um, prospect at this point. Um, and he, he, I think, has elevated himself to kind of that, that, that number one target with Alex Mansky um, now committed to Iowa State. The other name that's been out there that has been offered, we didn't. I can't confirm whether a, a visit from the coaching staff took place to Matt Zoller's out in Pennsylvania. Um, Matt Zoller's has really blown up too with offers from you know the who's who: Michigan State, Kentucky, Boston College, Virginia, Georgia, Florida, several other SEC schools. Um, he was a, a big time prospect that was that appeared to be headed to Penn State before Penn State picked up a commitment from a, a, a different quarterback a few weeks ago. So didn't see um, at least get confirmation publicly about Glenn Thomas visiting Matt Zollers. We do know that he he's another quarterback that has an offer out there. so we'll continue to monitor monitor that name as well. Um, and then like we talked about last week, it's going be it's going to be tricky for 2025 when you bring in not only Ryola, consensus five star, Um, number one, number two QB, and then also another Elite 11 and Danny Kalin, which is a local product. It's gonna be, you're gonna be recruited against pretty heavily and aggressively um, within the 2025 kind of group of QBs. And so while I do think you need to find one and you need to do what you can to try to bring in a high school quarterback for 2025, the transfer portal does give you a little bit of flexibility there. It's not a must. I think it just helps you with your class holistically and and overall when you can have a headliner at QB um, and then start to build around that. So we'll continue to monitor that. QBs generally um, go off, um, come off the board early um, in the spring before some of the other commitments start to follow in May and June. Um, So I think Nebraska, if they could have it their way, they would get a commitment from a Dylan Duff, a Maiden, a Malava. Um, here earlier than later, and then start to build the, the 2025 class around them, which um, they've got a, a really good head start on that 2025 class. Um, last thing I'd say on QBs, and we talked about this a little bit last week as well, just to, you know, we, we've only got three scholarship QBs currently, that um, obviously are Iola and Kalen coming in this spring. Um, and then Heinrich Harburg, um, which is kind of the grown man in, in the room. I would like to see that room get to four before we get to fall practice. I'm really curious to see what that spring portal uh, season looks like here in a couple months. Does Nebraska go after a more experienced QB to come back, come in and, and be you know most likely a Ryola backup? Um, or are they comfortable with rolling out Ryola, Harburg, and, and, and Danny Kalin? Um, that, that makes me nervous personally. I'd like to see a fourth, but I also recognize the difficulty in bringing in that right type of quarterback who, um, who's good, right. But not too good, right. Is he, is he willing to come in, sit behind Raiola, mentor Raiola, and then be there if something were to happen, unfortunate with, with Raiola. So let's see how that plays out, um, here coming up in April. Couple other um, Nebraska football um, kind of headlines or emphasis uh, with the spring semester kicking off and in full full go now, the roster was updated on huskers.com. A couple of key points there um, that came out of the week. Ethan Piper is no longer listed on the roster. Um, he's confirmed with other outlets that he's officially done playing football. Just a horrific knee injury in the win over Northwestern. Uh, I think every ligament that you have in a knee was torn. Um, it was always going to be a long shot for him train to play in 2024. Um, what, what I will be interested, though, is Matt Rule loves Ethan Piper. You've seen him talk about him publicly, but privately he just gushes over the guy i could see ethan piper being part of this team behind the scenes either in some sort of official ga capacity or some sort of like student coaching role um i do think you'll see ethan piper with with and around this team in 2024 just not not on the field um another uh, individual that's no longer listed on the roster is kane williams uh, former alabama transfer he was a safety played in four games in 2023 mostly on special teams, mop-up duty. He was a transfer linked back to uh, Mickey Joseph. Uh, they came from uh, close towns in Louisiana. Uh, so he's no longer on the roster. And then a couple of position changes. Not, not, a, not a lot of surprises here. Uh, Rukon Buckley officially moved to the offensive line. This was announced late in the 2023 season. Jeremiah Charles and Bryce Turner are currently both listed as DBs. Um, If you recall, throughout the 2023 season, they flip back and forth between DB and wide receiver quite a bit. Depends on Evan Cooper, Garrett McGuire, whoever wins that day, that coin flip, I guess. But my hope for those two is to settle in in a position in spring ball. Are they DBs? Are they wide receivers? Whatever they are, let's let's get them entrenched. Um, Both are big track guys, and so they haven't played a ton of football. So the more reps they can get, in their long-term position, the better. Um, If that's DB, fantastic. If it's wide receiver, that's fine too. I just wanna see them find a spot and and stick there. Uh, Jason uh, Meshachak is listed on the O-line now. Mason Goldman flipped to the defensive side of the ball. Um, One uh, name that comes up in conversation quite a bit and, and his question is Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. He is still on the roster. Obviously he's coming back from his own knee injury. Um, a lot of questions whether he would return and actually play in 2024. Seems like he's going to give it a go. Um, having on pretty good authority, he was a walk-on last year. Obviously with with NIL come you know coming with that, so I don't think he changes the numbers at all. Um, but he's another one that I know Matt Rule speaks glowingly about. So hopefully he comes back strong and can be a, a contributor in that wide receiver room. And then several walk-ons. Um, were removed from the roster, more like four or five year guys that that just hanging it up. A um, couple names of note: Grant Taggy, Trevin Lubin, Brayden Clover, Ashton Hausman. Um, some of those names you'll recognize from various special team units. Um, but you know, you you you, have, you know, four or five years in college, you get your get your degree. Sometimes it's it's just time to to move on. And then the last thing from roster updates, um, they do have the incoming freshmen that'll be hitting campus in uh, over the summer on the roster currently. So it's sitting at 149 total. Uh, Matt Rule's on record as saying that we will be, we need to, right, will be, but need to be reducing that number quite considerably due to um, direction from within the athletic department to align more with the Title IX expectations. So this is something I'll be watching closely as we approach spring ball. Um, It's difficult at times to kind of know what a scholarship distribution chart looks like. But if you, um, with NIL and other things, I think we're sitting at around 95 to a hundred. Um, and so, you know, from a scholarship perspective alone, I I think you're going to see, you know, 10, 10 or so guys probably hit the portal after the, uh, spring semester or after spring ball. Several more walk-ons, I think, will be um, you know, having to make some of those difficult decisions. I think the roster is going to be more on that 125 mark when we hit August. So that means we're still 24 above that number. So something to watch as we we hit spring ball. I don't anticipate, unless it's just a special individual, I don't expect many additions or really any additions to the roster. Um, I think the, the roster is pretty well set at this point as far as who you're going to see on the field in the fall. Uh, But you will see names, you know third four stringers that that just kind of identify that they're not going to play or other walk-ons You know leave after the after spring ball. So we'll continue to monitor that got plenty of time as we approach um, spring practice and then ultimately the spring spring transfer window and then last thing for, for Nebraska football, winter conditionings in full force. something to watch for this week coming up, uh, mat drills kick off. Um, I think the first mat drills scheduled for Tuesday, might be off a day or two there. you um, should probably call them the infamous mat rules, mat drills, um, incredibly intense, almost military style workouts. Uh, really looking forward to the videos at huskers.com. Uh, Puts out of of these what's really cool about these is now Besides the workouts themselves is Matt rule and the assistant coaches get to lead these workouts Whereas they've been on the road recruiting for the last two three four weeks um, Even back into December, right? Um, They've been let's just call it two months December January really um, You know not with the current roster on a day-to-day basis that changes this week. Uh, you'll see Matt rule, you'll see the assistance um, right in the thick of, of those Matt drills and workouts going forward. So that's, that's really cool. We kind of turn the page from uh, recruiting um, to truly the 2024 team, the 2024 season. And that kicks off this week with Matt drills and winter conditioning. So i um, looking forward to, to, to seeing some of that stuff and hearing um, some of the results that, that come out of, of those activities. Shifting quick, I'll, I'll get through these, but you know, we're getting closer to 30 minutes now. I wanna keep this around 30, 35 minutes, but some national storylines. I do like to follow the national kind of um, ongoings, as obviously that will affect Nebraska as well. One thing that po- that stuck out to me this week, which might be off somebody, some people's radar, is Power Five head coaches taking NFL coordinator jobs. So not NFL head jobs, but NFL coordinator jobs. So this week, Boston College head coach Jeff Hafley um, announced he's leaving Boston College to become the defensive coordinator at Green Bay. Um, UCLA head coach Chip Kelly he's a potential offensive coordinator candidate with the Commanders in Washington and Dan Quinn's staff. Uh, he that he hasn't taken the job yet, but it's been reported that he's interviewing for the job. He's interested in that job. He was also uh, mentioned for the Raiders offensive coordinator position, and so you know my question then becomes like why why are these power five head coaches um you know pursuing coordinator roles in the nfl less responsibility less money less prestige and really what this comes down to at the core and and from what i've read and from what i've you know just observed is you know the way the college game has transitioned from um, from the past to NIL, transfer portal, um, recruiting your current roster, et cetera, is it's pushing some of these guys out of the game, right? They're football coaches at their core and a lot of their time is being spent doing other things than football. And so this is just some, like, like, I don't have an answer for this. I don't have a hot take or anything like that. It's just an observation. And then as you read some of the comments and reasons why these people are leaving the college game, it does give me great appreciation for Matt Rule. Uh, Matt Rule was obviously an NFL head coach with the with the Panthers. Uh, recognized that his vision and passion and what he's good at is evaluating and developing young men at the college game. Um, he talks about consistently developing. Um, young student athletes, not into great football players, which he does, but also into great men of society. And, um, the way that he operates his program, um, isn't, is in a way where he challenges his assistant coaches as much as he challenges the guys on the field. And so his ability to be aggressive, his flexibility, the way he adapts to the ever-changing landscape of the game, his recognition of his sweet spot being in college versus the NFL, um, I just don't think you've got a better leader for this program where it's currently at, especially as we maneuver a lot of these changes within uh, the NCAA and within the college game. So we'll continue to monitor that. I'm, I'm really um, following that Chip Kelly situation. Does he truly leave the head coach of UCLA, a Big Ten school now, um, to become an offensive coordinator in the NFL? Seems, seems crazy, but um, at this point in time, it also seems very viable that that's where this is headed. So something to keep an eye on and something to monitor um, going forward. And then last thing on this topic particular, um, what's interesting is that the the two teams that were in the national championship game, Michigan and Washington, now have new coaches. A third team in the playoff, Alabama, will now have a new coach. Um, so there's a lot of movement even at the highest level within college football when it comes to coaching. So something to monitor, something to, to keep 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 an eye on which brings me into the second national topic which this was announced friday um is the big 10 and the sec have formed this advisory group or this advisory committee Uh, we don't have a lot of answers at this point probably more questions than answered but i'm very intrigued what this means and what could come of this these are unquestionably the two most powerful entities in college athletics Uh, some, you know, we used to have the power five with the PAC 12 dying. Some people are saying we have a power four. I would make the argument we have a power two. Um, when you look at that money discrepancy between the big 10 and the SEC versus the ACC and big 12, that gap is quite considerable. And so what could come of this, this advisory committee is, is to be determined. Will we see things come out weeks, months, or will it be years before we start to see, you know, fruit from this will be really fascinating. Have to imagine they're talking everything from conference realignment, NIL regulation, TV deals, NCA membership. Um, I I don't know. Uh, It's just, I think this could be a monumental shift in college athletics when we look back on this in two three five years so something i will certainly be watching and monitoring now with that being said we've seen these um, committees or advisories or alliances in the past and not a lot's come from them right so the most infamous one is several years ago when the acc big 10 impact 12 uh you know created this alliance if you will in, in response to the sec's expansion And then a year later, the Big Ten basically squashed the Pac-12 by taking USC and UCLA, and then ultimately Washington and Oregon later. So there's no guarantee that anything will come of this. It's no guarantee that this will be successful. But I do think it's an interesting and good first step in getting unity and consistency uh, within the big players of, of college football, college athletics. And so I will be really keeping my eyes on that going forward. So with that, I think we're up over 35 minutes at this point. Really appreciate you sticking with me uh, through the last 35 minutes. If you've got any feedback questions or uh, topics that you would like to discuss on future episodes, please do so. If you've got time and are willing, please leave a review on iTunes, Spotify. If you're listening to us on YouTube, A thumbs up, a follow, a subscribe is always appreciated. certainly helps us immensely. Until next week, we will get back together next Saturday and huddle up once again. Go Big Red. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.